If you have a Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 13. I'm doing this series of teaching about the book Song of Solomon, but I'm going to pause that because it's Christmas, and I do know that it's Christmas, and I thought I should do a Christmassy message. And what I want to talk to you about, actually I want to give you a preview of coming attractions. God's been talking to me about where we're going to go in the new year, and he's just been inviting me to refocus on the core mission. In Matthew 6 and verse 10, Jesus told us to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God is that heaven would come to earth, that earth would be made like heaven. And thank God when we die, if you know Jesus, we get to go to heaven. But in the meantime, we're down here. How many of you are still down here? So you ought to be doing something. What do do we need to be doing? Well, we ought to be partnering with Jesus to make earth a little bit more like heaven every single day. That means a lot of different things that we'll kind of talk about in the new year, and and you're going to want to get in a small group. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do practical things to um, help us grow and get breakthrough and and learn how to do this. But, But I want to talk today just about this concept of how this how does heaven come to earth how does it happen if we could figure that out we could partner with God better to help it occur and I want to suggest to you that the Christmas story gives us a model for how this works heaven already came to your, came to the earth once 2,000 years ago wherever Jesus is that's heaven is that true When Jesus came down here, heaven and earth met in his flesh. In theology, it's called the hypostatic union, the union of the divine person of Jesus and the human person of Jesus. He's both fully God and fully man. This happened 2,000 years ago, and it teaches us something, I believe, about how heaven comes to earth. This is our goal as a church, and so we want to understand how it how it works. I want to read to you two passages of Scripture, and then I'm going to talk to you for a little bit. In Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32, Jesus tells a short parable. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. Everybody say, least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it's the greatest among the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. That's a strange image. We'll come back to that in a moment. But he says the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven in Matthew's gospel, it would say, it's like a seed, the smallest seed. How does heaven come to earth? It comes to earth like a seed. It doesn't come like a military invasion. It doesn't come, he says in another place, the kingdom of God cometh not with outward show. It doesn't come with a lot of fanfare. Rather, the kingdom of God, it says, is within you. It's like a seed and it gets planted in the ground and then it becomes a tree which grows until it fills the whole earth and then the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches. Again, that's a strange image. We'll explain it in a second. Now let's read the Christmas story. Turn over to Luke 1, 
I think Luke tells it the prettiest. We're just going to read a portion of it from verse 26 through verse 38. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, you're highly favored, and the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Um, highly favored there, you could say highly graced. There's a lot of grace on your life. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. This is because the law teaches you that when God speaks to you, he's going to say something mean. I deserved a better amen. <laughs> if you're in a lot of religious bondage, you will learn to expect that if God says something to you, it's going to be condemning. But that's the voice of the law. It's not the voice of the Father. The Father, He might correct you, but He's always going to speak into and affirm your identity. So anyway, she doesn't, expect, she doesn't expect the angel to say something so nice to her. And she's like, what are you saying? <laughs> but the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb. Everybody say, conceive, conceive. In, your in your womb. And bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give unto him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Isaiah says, of the increase of his government there will be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How will this be, seeing I, don't, I know not a man? And the angel answered un, said, and said unto her, The Holy Ghost will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that holy thing which shall be born of you will be called the Son of God. Skip to verse 38. And Mary said, actually read verse 37, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I want to suggest to you that when Jesus told the parable in Matthew 13 about the seed being planted in the earth, that he is at least in part talking about his own birth. He says the kingdom of God is like a seed. Mark 4 tells us that the word of God is a seed. Yeah. Right? John 1 says, who's the Word? Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. This seed came down from heaven and was planted in some dirt. What's Mary's body made of, according to Genesis 1? Dirt, right? The psalmist said, he remembers your frame. He knows that you're dust. Somebody said... That means God knows you're a dirt bag, so. <laughs> no, that's not what it means. But anyway, the, the seed, the Logos of God, came down from heaven 
and it implanted itself in Mary's womb. When did this happen? What's happening? Gabriel's speaking to her the words of God. She hears with her ears, but more importantly, with her heart. And then something really important happens. She says, be it unto me according to thy word. The word amen means, so be it. She hears the word of God from heaven. She says amen to it. And in that moment, I believe she conceives and becomes pregnant with the kingdom. Jesus is the king. Wherever he goes, there's his kingdom. Now, this little baby is born 2,000 years ago, and he grows. He's one guy, but he grows. And he starts a ministry, and, and he travels around for three and a half years after he's 30. But I'm, imagine this. From the time Jesus is born until he's 30, he's not doing any miracles. He's not preaching. All we hear about it is this one episode where he's hanging out in the synagogue talking to the teachers. Mary's got this commitment from the time he's born till the time he's 30, where she's raising him. And we make fun of millennials for still living with their parents. <laughs> now, I understand it's a different culture, but, but Mary has this promise from God that her son's going to be the Messiah. And she gives birth to it. But then it's another 30 years before she sees any external, really any external evidence that this is true. When Jesus dies, the scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 says his body is sown in the ground. And then he's raised up, right? When he's raised up, Ephesians 2 says that you're raised up with him. And his body begins to grow like a tree. Why? Because every time somebody puts faith in Jesus, the body of Christ expands. So I want you to think about this. This seed was sown in the ground of Mary's body 2,000 years ago, and it is still growing. Do you know that there are more Christians alive today on the planet than at any time in human history? Amen. Some of you didn't know that. You think the devil's winning. He's not. He's not winning. Jesus is winning. Jesus will win. That's right. So, so... Calm down. <laughs> the tree is getting bigger. The kingdom of the increase of his government, there is no end. The kingdom's going forward. It's not going backwards. Heaven is coming to earth. And in Matthew 13, he says that the Fowls of the field will come lodge in the branches. What's that mean? The birds are something external to the tree, right? Yeah. 
The tree is the body of Christ. It's the believers. What this means is that the body of Christ throughout history has been growing and providing shelter and blessing to the world. How many humanitarian missions have been led by people that are believers? How many hospitals have been started in the name of Jesus? How, many, how much, you know, uh, benevolence, giving, and all this? And more importantly, how much has the gospel been preached and chains and bondages have been broken off of people? The body of Christ is a blessing to the whole earth, and it's growing. Well, what's all this mean? I think this shows us a pattern of how heaven comes to earth and the kingdom expands. So what's the pattern? First of all, the Word of God comes down from heaven. It's got to find some dirt to lodge itself in. Right. Who's that? Uh, now let's all raise our hands, all right? It's got it's to find root in the soil of our hearts. And you've got to say amen to it. So be it. Be it unto me according to thy word. Yes, yes Lord. It's good prayer. Yeah. Doing so conceives that thing on the inside of you. Yeah. But then you've got to steward it. Right. Just like a baby. That's got to grow. And there's a time between conception and birth. How long is it? I don't know. But while it's in there cooking, you've got to keep believing God. Amen. That's right. And then the day comes when there's a moment of breakthrough and you get what you're believing for. But just like Mary, after that, you're still committed to stewardship of the thing. Let's say you hear the word of God that, that God wants to heal your body. And so you, you say amen to it and you conceive that on the inside of you. And then somebody prays for you, whatever, and you, and you get healed. Hallelujah. Thank God. What do you do after that? Well, you ought to steward well your health. Now, I mean, don't condemn yourself if you're screwing something up, all right? We love you. Jesus loves you. But uh, it's, it's an example, right? I'll give you another example from my life in a moment. But I want you to get this. Turn over to Romans 4. Verse 18, it's talking about Abraham and how Abraham received a promise from God. And he says, Abraham against hope, against all rational hope, he believed in hope. Even when everything looked bad, he kept believing God that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. What's that mean? God spoke to Abraham. A word, you're going to be the father of many nations. That word took up root in Abraham's heart. And before Sarah was ever pregnant, Abraham was pregnant with the promise of God. And he had to keep believing in it. He had to, against hope, believe in hope. What's, what's this mean? It means then that, that when the word of God implants itself in your heart, it takes on the form of dreams. This was Abraham's dream, yes. to be the father of many nations. It's a big deal back then. I know, I know now they tell you this stuff about how you have... They shouldn't tell people this, but they tell you if you have kids, it's going to cost you $250,000 a kid. Or, it is not either. 
Just don't, don't buy them $500 worth of clothes all the time. Go to, go to Goodwill. Have some kids. You'll be all right. Jesus will help you. I'm serious. It's, it's, there's a war against children in this country. They ought not say that kind of stuff. It is not going to cost you $250,000. If you got the money, spend it. It's all right. But if you don't, don't stress about it. Your kids won't suffer. We buy our kids clothes at Goodwill. You don't, they don't care. Anyway. When, when you're pregnant with the, with the Word of God, it takes on the form of a dream. So Ab- Abraham, he keeps believing God. Now, he, this ought to encourage you because he wavers. Does he waver? Have any of you ever wavered? Does he still get his breakthrough? He does. Now, now, Sarah gives birth, and at that point, this is a moment of breakthrough, but I want to ask you a question. In the natural, when Sarah gives birth to Isaac, is Abraham the father of many nations? In the natural. He's the father of two people. That's a far cry from many nations. What's he got to do? He's got to steward well Isaac because Isaac is the seed that's going to bring him the full harvest. But you've got to rejoice when Isaac is born. Because if he doesn't, if he curses Isaac and he thinks, well, this didn't help, I ought to have 20 kids by now. And he doesn't have a good relationship with Isaac, doesn't raise him to honor the Lord. Guess what? He's not, he's not seeing the promise of God fulfilled. So Abraham, he follows this pattern. He gets, a, he gets a dream from God. He gives birth to it. And then he stewards it until it's ready to take its full place. This is the pattern. Heaven comes to earth through the fulfilled dreams of God's people. That's how it works. Dad wants your dreams to come true. Because when you get what you want, when you get not what your flesh wants, but when you get the dreams that are birthed out of intimacy between you and Him, that's how heaven comes down here. Psalm 84 says this same thing. Let's look at it again. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's a psalm of the kingdom. It's about how heaven comes to earth. So it starts out and says, How amiable are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. And then he says, My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. He starts falling in love with Jesus. Thank you, God. And I just, I want to spend time with you, Jesus. I love you. I don't want anything else. I just want you. That's how it starts. And in that place of intimacy, you start to hear the voice of God. The Word of God coming out of heaven. And then in verse 3, this really strange verse. I didn't understand it for a long time. Yes, the sparrow has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. 
what's that about? <laughs> Seems weird. It's in the middle of this whole thing of praise here. The sons of Korah wrote this. These are the guys that helped carry around all the stuff for the tabernacle of Moses. So they're really familiar with all the furniture in there and whatever. So inside the holy place, there's an altar. And the presence of God's in there, the Shekinah, the manifest, manifest presence of God. And these sons of Korah, they, they get this revelation. They're like, you know what? The birds have figured out that a good place to have your kids is on the altar of God before the presence of the Lord. Now, you would think that God wasn't about to have some birds in his tabernacle. <laughs> Hello. Because yeah. it's messy. You ever bought a bird feeder? You don't want to put that thing on your porch because, I mean, there's going to be stuff. It's messy. Birth is messy. I've been there three times. It's beautiful, but it's not always pretty. Right. Yes. What's this about? God's saying here that on the altar, in the place of sacrifice in the presence of God, that's where dreams are meant to be conceived and given birth to. Mm -hmm. I'll walk you through this. So, on the altar, what's, the altar is a place of sacrifice, right? right? What I do is, I climb up on the altar and I say, I sacrifice my personal ambition. I was stressed out of about a month ago, and God, God spoke to me, and, uh, and I, I, I don't, it wasn't even anything he said, but I just, I felt led to pray this, and I said it out loud. I said, Lord, I lay down my selfish ambition, and when I said that, the peace of God came over my heart in such a profound way. The altar is a place of sacrifice. So Romans 12.1 says to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. That means I get up there on the altar and I say, I say, not my will, but thine. And I, I give, you know, I used to have a bunch of dreams. I wanted to be um, an English professor, you know, because I'm super nerdy. And then, and then I wanted to be a lawyer. And before that, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a starship captain like James Tiberius Kirk. And then... <laughs> And I wanted to be a Jedi and stuff. But while, while I was up on the altar, as I'm, as I'm praying to God, how amiable are your tabernacles? I just want you, God. I love you, Jesus. As I'm up there on the altar, the fire of God descends on, on your heart, and these lesser dreams start to fade away. Yeah, absolutely. But that's not the end. No. Because then new ones are birthed. Yeah. New ones are birthed. They're on the altar. They're conceived in the presence of God, in the place of sacrifice. And so as I'm praying, and Molly and I are praying through all this, I mean, we got to a place, I mean, I was a, I was a pastor and stuff in, in another city, and I, I loved it. And, but I was like, you know, God, I don't, I don't need to be a pastor. I don't need to do, I don't, I really I don't need to do anything. I just want to be with you. But as I'm in that place of sacrifice on the altar, God began to plant in our hearts a, a dream, which is this church. And we started to want to do this. 
somebody was asking me the other day what I think about dying to self. I, I said, I thought it's great as long as you come back to life. <laughs> and really, you only need to do it once because Jesus died unto sin once. And, and so I'm here. I, I told him, look, I come to church because I like to. Because I wanted to, because this was a dream that, that was conceived in intimacy between heaven and earth, between, between a, a, a dirt bag and Jesus. All right? And, and so in, in that place on the altar, that dream was conceived, but then we gave birth to it. And, and what God's saying is all that mess, you know, you know that it's messy to see your dreams come true. It doesn't always work perfectly the right time. Some of you have been here since the beginning. It didn't always look as pretty as it does now. I always looked at, no, not really, but my wife always looked as pretty. But, but the deal is, is that there's, there's challenges in seeing your dreams come true. And God's okay walking that stuff out with you. You're not going to do it right the first time. You're going to screw it up. And guess what? He's going to give you another opportunity. I'm so thankful for the many opportunities that, that I've had to minister the Word of God because I've screwed up a whole bunch of them. But God's faithful and He gives you more. So on the back of your notes, godly men and women throughout history have fallen in love with God and in the context of that relationship, they've become pregnant with dreams. So I don't know what you're pregnant with. If you, if you don't have a dream, you need to spend time with God and fellowship with God. Now your dream, it may not be something, you know, I, I, sometimes I don't like telling my own story because people are like, well, I don't want to start a church. Well, man, I wouldn't want to either if I wasn't called. To, don't do this if you're not called to do it, all right? I don't, I don't, know, what you're, I don't know what you're called to do. It might be that God puts a dream in your heart that you want to travel the world. Well, that's a selfish dream, Pat. Well, well, maybe it's not. What if everywhere you go, you have a divine connection with somebody and you lead somebody to Jesus or you pray for somebody? Or what if you, what if you haul somebody with you and you, you open their, their eyes to the world and you change their life? I mean, if you get what, if you spend time with Jesus and you start to get what you want in the context of that relationship, people's lives will be changed. Yeah, yeah. Dad wants your dreams to come true. Now, the deal is with this, though, is that seeing your dreams come to pass, it, it's not an overnight thing. It's like raising kids. Is that true? Yes. Hebrews 6.12 says that we inherit the promise, or you could say we receive our dreams through two things, faith and patience. Yes. Faith and patience. What's faith? It's seeing stuff other people don't see, believing in stuff other people don't believe in, and investing in it. Taking some kind of action to show that you, that you want to invest in, in what God's doing in somebody else's life. I'm really thankful for all the people that have seen something in me and potential in me and invested in me. I want to be the kind of person that does that. I want to have faith in the gift and the grace that's on other people's lives. I meant to tell you this. So my, some of you know I have a, a friend, Brian Clark. He pastors in North Carolina. Uh, they planted 
just a little bit, but actually pretty much right about the same time as us. But anyway, God has brought them a building. Amen. And it's a, it's a really good deal, and I'm really happy for him. And, and I believe in the grace that's on his life. Yeah. And so he's got to raise a little bit of money. And so I said, I want you to come out here. And, and my church, we are a faith church, and we're going to believe God with you. And we want you to preach. He's a great preacher. And he's going to come here and bless you. And then we're going to receive an offering. You don't have to give, but I'm going to give of my personal finances because I want to invest in what God is doing in Brian's life. Because God planted a dream on his heart, and when he gave birth to it, now he's raising it. It says, church, that's a little slice of heaven. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's blessing people. It's helping people. So faith is when I see the potential in, in my dreams and I invest in it or in other people's dreams. So you gotta, you got to do something. you got to keep investing in your dreams. And then patience. What's patience? Patience is not sitting doing nothing. Patience is about endurance during the season between seed and harvest. The Bible says there's seed, there's time, and harvest. And patience is when you keep believing the promise of God, you hope against hope during the season between the conception and the, and the birth. Right. Yes. And patience, it's just a lot of times it just takes the form of just, just doing the right thing, just doing the last thing God told you to do, and just keep doing it. Yeah. Yes. Just endure, just keep going after it right. every day. This is one thing my pastor taught me better than anybody. I mean, you know, my pastor would tell you, he, his success, I mean, he's gifted, he's got grace and stuff, but a lot of it's just he's like a bulldog. Somebody prophesied this over him. He just holds on to the Word of God. He just keeps believing God, and he doesn't quit. You don't take a day off believing the promise of God. Keep believing what God told you. Now, I want to I pastor you a little bit in this area. Is that okay? Up until now, it's been pretty apostolic. Right now, I'm going to pastor you. What's that mean? I'm going to help you put shoes on it. So, so the deal is, Israel had this sort of corporate dream that a Messiah would come and rescue them from the oppressive government of Rome. Everybody familiar with that? Yeah. When, when, you know, the, the Israelite nation was... was in bondage to Rome when Jesus was born. They were the government over uh, the Jews. They didn't like that because they knew their history. They used to be an autonomous nation. So they were believing that someone would come and deliver them from this oppressive government. That was their dream. And they got that dream by looking at the Scripture. Everybody okay? When Jesus came... He didn't deliver them from the oppressive government of Rome. Instead, he delivered them from the oppressive bondage of sin, religion, and the devil. Which was far better. They had one dream in mind, which they were sort of right about. But Jesus said, I've got something way better that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the problem. A lot of the Jewish people at that time missed out on that freedom because they were holding too tightly to their interpretation of the dream. 
What's that mean? It means I want to get pregnant with the dream of God, but I want to hold loosely to how that dream is going to play out. And I want to give God grace to redefine it for me because He might want something better (laughs) than my interpretation. I'll give you an example. My friend wouldn't mind me telling you this. So I have a friend named Marcus Wick, and he was here, I think, over the summer, and he, he has a prophetic ministry. But before this, he was thinking that God had called him to plant a church because he was pregnant with a ministry dream. And so I was coming here to plant a church, and I was on his board, and I was trying to help him get this deal off the ground in, in L.A. And he, he was believing God, and he was doing all this stuff, and trying to get a website and host a Bible study and whatever. But it just seemed like he was grinding and the thing wasn't moving. Now, sometimes you got to just keep believing the promise and keep, keep grinding, okay? But, but after a while, it just seemed like it wasn't, it wasn't going and he was getting really frustrated because it's like the baby's not coming out. Ladies, you ever been there? I mean, that, it's not, not comfortable, right? So, so... He's trying to give birth to this thing, but it doesn't seem like it's working. And he's he's called of God to be a minister. But one day, my pastor in the middle of church, which is also Marcus's pastor, Pastor Lawson, and he's going to be here in like March 13th, I think. You'll want to be here. It'll be awesome. But anyway, so... So Pastor Lawson, he's in ministry for 30 years. He would tell you not to do this. I would tell you, tell you not to do it. But he has a relationship with, with Marcus, and, and he's probably only done this once or twice in his whole life. But in the middle of service, the Spirit of God stopped him, and he called Marcus out, and he said, he said uh, you are a prophet, and you need to embrace who you are. We need prophets in the body of Christ don't start a church, start a prophetic ministry. Which is a pretty strong directive word. And again, I wouldn't give that, uh, you know, most of the time. And Lawson would tell you probably not to either. But, and, but Marcus knows how to receive something like that. All right? And so he called me afterwards, and I, he was like, what do I do about this? And I was like, I don't know. Pray about it. <laughs> I'm not God. I don't know, you know. And anyway, after it took him a little bit, he had to process it. But he let God redefine his dream. Mm -hmm. And he realized, you know, that he probably wasn't called to go plant a church. The deal was he he saw the need. And, And sometimes, many times when you see the need, you're the person called to fix it. But not always. And, you know, and frankly, I think Mark, and so he started this prophetic ministry, and he's a lot happier. He's getting ready to have this big prophetic conference in January. It's going to be really neat. There's going to be some major prophetic voices there and stuff. And, and he travels around now and teaches, and, and God's helping him. He's growing his ministry. It started working. And so he's doing what God called him to do, but he had to let God redefine a little bit what the dream was. But I, he's happier. Because if you, I mean, you know, he's, yeah, he's what he's supposed to be doing. And there's a lot of things like about 
how Marcus is, like, I don't think he'd like doing a lot of the stuff that I do. <laughs> All right? So, so you, you want to do what God told you to do. You want to run your race, not somebody else's. I was in Bible college, and, and I, uh, they had this guy come, and he talked about um, this chaplaincy program so you could go minister to people in, in nursing homes. And they told this story about two ladies that were trying to go to church, and they rode their scooters down the, down the street on their, you know, to try to go to church. And that one lady fell off, and she, like, broke her arm or something. And it, this really grieved me. And I thought, this is terrible. I'll go preach to those ladies. And, I, and so I got the, you know, the, the information about it, and I'm looking at it, and, and I'm thinking, oh, man, somebody needs to. I saw the need. And my sister comes up to me, and she's like, what's that? And I'm like, well, it's this chaplaincy thing, and these ladies are trying to get to church, and they're breaking their arm, and somebody ought to go in there and minister to them. And she said this, well, maybe somebody that's called to do that ought to go in there and do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought, well, that's probably the voice of God. <laughs> Now, does that mean I can't go minister? In a, no. no, I mean, I, I, but, but that's not the primary calling that's on my life. Right? right? Mm -hmm. And if we get distracted by, by extraneous dreams, sometimes you can miss out on the, on the biggest thing that you've got. So you want to let God continue to speak to you about what the dream's supposed to be like. Do you know on an ultrasound, they can tell you that the baby is a girl and he will come out a boy. Is that true? So you might, you might not fully understand what the dream's going to look like till, it, till it's here and then it's growing, all right? So you don't want to reject it because it looks different than what you thought. All right, look at Song of Solomon 8.6. We're going to end here. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for, your lo for love is as strong as death and jealousy as cruel as the grave. All right, he says, set me like a seal upon your heart. They didn't used to have Ziploc. That's not what this is talking about. Back in the day, the king would have a signet ring. And so this ring would have, you know, a special symbol on it that would signify that it's the king's ring. And if he would write out a decree, like, you know, whatever, like everybody's got to wear a white hat on Tuesday or, you know, whatever crazy decree the king wanted to make, he'd have his scribe write the deal out, and then they'd put hot wax on it, and he would stick his ring in the hot wax, and the document would be sealed. Right. And what that meant was that that document carried the authority of the king. Right. So you want to do what it says, right? Because, because it's got the backing of that kingdom. This says as you, as you fellowship with God and have intimacy with Him, that the love of God can seal your heart. So that the dreams and the passions that are in your heart carry the authority and backing of the kingdom of heaven. I'm telling you, God invests Himself in seeing His kids' dreams come true. Because when they come, heaven comes to earth. 
That's a good word. Well, let's all stand up. My prayer team can come forward. I'm going to pray for everybody. Christmas is a, I think it's a season about hope. It's a season about joy. Jesus came to the earth. Do you know that Jesus is actually the full answer to Abraham's dream? What did God tell Abraham? He said, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Galatians 3 tells us that he wasn't talking actually about the whole Jewish nation. He was talking about one man, Jesus. Jesus is the tree that's grown to bless the entire nation, entire world. Well, I don't know. That might have been an intense Christmas message. Hopefully you're blessed. (laughs) I'll do something simpler tomorrow. We'll have all the kids in here. Um, so it'll be a lot of fun. Bring your kids. Don't feel bad about it. Mine will be running around. It'll be awesome. I'm going to be praying. I'll pray for everybody. If you need personal prayer, if you're feeling hopeless or lost, or if you need some kind of breakthrough, we want to pray for you. But I'm going to pray for everybody, and then we'll dismiss. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. Thank you for the Word of God coming down from heaven 2,000 years ago, becoming a tree that's transformed everything about life. And Lord, we just pray that you would birth and conceive in people's hearts the the dreams of heaven and that those would grow and become trees that bless our families, our our city, our nation, and that lives would be changed and people would come to know you. And we just worship you. We thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.